You're listening to Moments from the Mount, a podcast from Mount Calvary Lutheran Church in Redding, California, and Pastor Benjamin Schaefer. Moments from the Mount seeks to provide relevant messages based solidly on the truth of God's Word, the Bible, and to proclaim Christ's love, forgiveness, peace, and direction to all people from a confessional Lutheran worldview. For more information about Moments from the Mount, or about Mount Calvary Lutheran Church School and Early Childhood Center, go to mtcalvaryreading.org. Okay, welcome. Session two, Life's Big Questions. Tonight, the big question that we're going to talk about is a, is a basic I mean, basic question that every religion on the planet has to answer, has to wrestle with, where did I come from? Why, you know, where did I come? Where did we come from? Where did human beings come from? Um, and so we're going to start actually by looking at stuff from last week. A little bit last week's lesson was basically the foundation of the Christian faith. You know, that we are lost on our own, that we are walking around in the darkness and we're not going to find the light switch but God himself enters our world. Jesus comes to save us, to give us the light of life, and to show us how much God does care about each one of us, that he'd be willing to die for us on a cross. And so we're going to start kind of reviewing stuff from last week. But first, why don't we just begin, let's just ask God to bless our time. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here tonight. We come with all the different things going on in our lives, all the challenges, all the worries, all the fears, all the joys and excitements too. And we just put our lives on pause for a moment and turn to you and your word. Help us to see the truth about who we are and where we come from. Help us to see wonderful things in your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so if you... Um, have a packet from last time. It's page six. It's right before session two. How did I get here? Uh, page six is the looking back and true false. So it's kind of a fun way to start. Kind of look back a little bit, review stuff from last time, and then go through the true false. Um, everybody with me? You want to see what I'm talking about? Yeah, Eliandria. You got it? Okay. Um, okay, so where, where do we learn? This was last time, obviously, if you weren't here, that's okay. But the Bible does talk about hell, that place of torment. Um, and, and where did you find that Bible passage? Anybody see that one? Remember that one, Noel? Revelation 21. Okay, Revelation 21, verse 8. Yeah, Revelation 21, verse 8 talks about that. And, and uh, Jesus himself talked about hell seven times. I mentioned that in, uh, in church on Sunday. Um, okay, that no person is perfect. Did you see that one? Okay, yeah, Matthew 5.48 talks about being perfect. Shows how far we've fallen. Yeah, and then Psalm 14 is another one. Psalm 14 talked about there's no one who does good. Not even one. In God's sight, at least. We all kind of fall flat. Okay, then number uh, letter C, that Jesus suffered for our sins. That was Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. He did that all for us. 
Um, and then that deed that God gives eternal life to those who believe in Jesus. John 3.16, right? Yes, the, uh, one of the most well-known Bible passages. God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Uh, and then E, that the body and soul separate at the point of death. So it was a little harder maybe. And we talked about what happens when I die. Well, <laughs> your body and soul separate. Um, that, Jesus' parable in Luke 16 talks about that with the rich man and poor Lazarus. That's that story that we read. Um, so that's that. Okay, yeah, just kind of a little refresher. All right, now the fun part, true-false. Number one, our health should be our greatest concern in life. Our spiritual Okay, spiritual health, oh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously God cares about our bodies. We're going to talk about that today. And he wants us to take care of our bodies and take care of the whole earth. Uh, but a lot, sometimes that can cloud our vision about what's really important. Uh, number two, what was wrong years ago is not necessarily wrong today. Is that true or false? Yeah, I'd say false too. The idea that, that morality changes, that years ago it was, it was wrong to, uh, to cheat on your spouse, but now, if you really don't love them anymore, you wanna, you know, and you find love with a new person, then it's okay. You know, that shifting morality that's out there is not, not good. Um, now it is true that some things years ago, you know, they regarded as wrong and sinful. And today we don't necessarily, like playing cards, you know, for a pastor to play cards, like, they'd be like, oh, oh, you know, well, I, I mean, I don't think that's, you know, bad to play cards. I mean, it's not like I'm, you know, gambling my life away or something. It's just a, a game of sheep's head or hearts with my girls, you know. Um, so things like that sometimes change. Okay, number three, God is not angry if we sin accidentally. False. He he is angry. If you if you don't know something's wrong, well, I'm. Can you tell? Can you tell the police officer that? <laughs> I'm sorry, officer. I had no idea that the speed limit was, was 35 here, not 55. Well, it doesn't matter, right? Um, in a, in a certain sense, it, um, it's the same with God. That if, even if we don't we sin accidentally or we don't know that it's a sin, it's still a sin. A sin is a sin. It breaks God's law, God's standard. Uh, number four, God is not fair if he punishes good people for their sins. False, yeah. What, what is fair, you know? Um, and what is good? Who are the good people? Right? Raise your hand if you're a good person. Right? You know? It, it's like, okay, you know, um, all right. It, it, it's kind of relative, right? And our sense of fairness but God is just and holy, which means that he doesn't make mistakes when it comes to judgment, when it comes to right and wrong. God, God knows what he's doing. Right? Um, number five, God is too kind to send anyone to hell. False. False, yeah. That's, I mean, we have to acknowledge that. And that's not a popular thing to acknowledge, though, <laughs> because God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice and holiness. And they, they go together. Otherwise, if God, if God isn't going to save us from something, why do you need God? Why do you need Jesus? Why do you need, why do you need a spiritual well-being? 
Because, well, we're all going to end up in the same place anyway. What's the big deal? Um, Okay, next, uh, number six. No one is able to live according to God's law. True. Yeah, God says do this. And we say, I'd really like to, but sometimes I'm lazy. (laughs) God says do this perfectly. And we say, well, I can't do it perfectly. Right? Now, why could you say false to that? Who did live perfectly? Jesus did. And that's a great comfort to us because he, there's, there is one person who did it all perfectly for us as our Savior, and that's Jesus. Okay, uh, we all deserve to be damned. Yeah. We, that's what we deserve. That's, that's because of Jesus. That's not what God's going to give us. And, and that's what Jesus came to rescue us from. But that's what we deserve. That's what we say in church. Remember the start of our, our church service? We say, I deserve God's punishment. Lord, have mercy on me. Okay, number eight, God forgives people when they try to do better. It's a really tricky one. <laughs> I'd say false. Um, God, why does God forgive us? Is it because of what we do that God forgives us? It's because of His Son Jesus. That's why He forgives us. So, kind of keeping some of these straight in your mind, you know, is is kind of important too. Like thinking through this, okay. And then certainly God wants us to try to live a Christian life to 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 not just go back to the sin or the 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 whatever horrible thing we did and just do it again, but. Um, okay, number nine, God saved sinners through Jesus Christ. True, absolutely. That's the good news right there. Good news. Uh, number 10, God made Jesus guilty of our sins. True, yeah. Jesus, that's actually why he died. Not because of anything he did, but because of everything you and I have done wrong. That's why he died. Okay, then number 11, God forgives us because Jesus died in our place. True. That's that. That's that. That's the right way to talk about it. God forgives us because of Jesus. Uh, okay, number twelve. Tough one to stomach here. People such as Adolf Hitler and Jeffrey Dahmer can be saved simply by trusting in Jesus as the Savior from sin. Jeffrey Dahmer. You guys remember who he is? I I was in Wisconsin, so that's why I. He 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 preyed on uh, homosexual black men in Milwaukee and had him for breakfast. Um, it was pretty horrific in the late 90s. So people such as that can be saved simply by trusting in Jesus. Okay. Yeah. That trusting in Jesus, that does include an admission of what they've done wrong. You know, that you actually need a Savior for the horrible things that you've done. Um, but it's, it's not because of how good we are that we get into heaven. It's all because of Jesus, top to bottom. Top to bottom. So, Okay, then 13, a person who loves and trusts in Jesus wants to obey him. True, True yes, yeah. You can't say, oh, I love Jesus, but uh, then go off and, and do your own thing all the time. Yeah. No? Sorry, I've got a tough one about number 12. Okay. In my mind, it's like, don't they have to be sorry for what they did to be forgiven? Yeah, that's where I would say they, they're trusting in Jesus as their Savior from their sin. You know, that they recognize they have sinned. You know, I've done something wrong. Um, yeah, yeah, good point. But but there again, I always want to watch out that I'm not making it like like something I do. Like, I did this, and then so then God gave this. Like, he's a divine vending machine. 
You know, I put in my, my right words and then out pops heaven. Woo! Right? No, so yeah, um, it's God, God saving us top to bottom. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, okay. On to what we're going to talk about today. Session two. How did I get here? Does everybody have a Bible or, right? Bible and Lord Joe? Did I get you your stuff? Um, yes. Um, yep. Okay. Thank Excellent. You. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. So, one of the practical and existential questions, kind of a real up there in the clouds kind of question, is where did I come from? So, everybody wants to know their origins, their roots, right? Why? Why are things like uh, 23andMe so popular? Huh? Why do you think? Okay. It, what's that? Okay, your heritage. Yeah, kind of knowing. It's actually very important to knowing yourself, feeling comfortable in your own skin, is uh, is knowing where you fit, where you uh, where you belong, um, what you're what you're a part of, and so this is why even even. Today, I, I talked about it in church a couple weeks ago, that there, there's a crisis of meaning in America today. You've got high addiction rates, high um, uh, aggression rates, where everybody's angry at each other, and you've also got high um, um, uh, addiction, aggression, and de- depression. Uh, like a lot, a lot of just depression, and it's all socioeconomics. It's it's everybody from the poorest to the richest. Everybody's dealing with this because we're we're separated from a sense of who we are and where we're coming from. And a lot of that has to do with the breakdown of the family in America. That if you don't have m- mom and dad there to help you um, figure out who you are, then you're you're lost, right? Um, but this is a part of it too. Is this the, the 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 having that relationship with God and knowing who God is and how you fit into even bigger picture, not just your family, which is really important, but the bigger picture of why am I here? Why am I like this? Right? Why am I like this? Why did why why do I have these tendencies or why do I have this personality? Right? It's more than just I got this from mom or dad. There's a bigger picture in mind. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1. First book of the Bible, easiest book to find, right? <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, page 1 of your Bibles. Watch, it's going to be like page 2 here. I know it. Okay, no, page 1. If you know that Genesis chapter 1 is the first book of the Bible, you are smarter than 60% of Christians in America. Six out of ten people who said they were Christian, they could not identify Genesis as the first book of the Bible. So a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But then, and then you say, oh, what's the first book of the Bible? Genesis. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to read through it. And one of the fun things about this class is I try and target some of the key sections of the Bible that are just good to have a handle on, to just be familiar with and feel comfortable with. The Bible is not a scary book. It's, it's a, a beautiful, there's so much richness in here. We're just going to scratch the surface tonight. Um, and we're going to read Genesis chapter 1 and then kind of talk about what does God create? What goes on here in the, in, in the beginning? So we want to know why, how do we get here? Why, um, what, are, what am I doing here? Let's check out what God says. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said... Let there be light. 
and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and seasons and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so... God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. 
and there was morning, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Then chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay, Woo, a lot of stuff in there. Good stuff. Okay, let's talk about it here. Um, first, Genesis 1.1. Genesis just means beginning or origin. It's a Greek word. And so in the beginning, here we go. What, what happens on day one? What does God create? It's kind of nice. They, um, they break it out for us a little bit. What does God create on day one? Evening and okay, evening and morning. There's, there's light, right? Let there be light. And then there's darkness, right? He also had to have created the earth. Okay, yeah, I mean, there's this, there's this, yeah, you want to talk about a big bang? Right, here it is. God said, in, you know, let, let it be, and the, the earth is created here. Um, so we've got um, heavens and the earth are created, and then this light that they call day, and this darkness they call night. This is all in this first day. Heavens, earth, light, dark. It's all there. And there's evening and there's morning the first day. So that's day one. And if you look, is God is God saying like, once upon a time in a faraway land, right? Is that how this started? No, no, this is just straight. Here's what happened. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is not a a person that he's going to lie or change his mind. This is this is the historical record as it happened. Okay, day two. What does God create on day two? Okay, yeah, sky. There is a vault to separate water from water. Water below? What's the water below? Okay, the sea, I kind of ocean water, stuff like that. What's the water above? Like beyond this vault. So there's waters above, waters below. Could clouds? Okay, yeah, clouds, atmosphere, right? There's condensation up there. I mean, most of the atmosphere is just um, is just see, you know, different. It's condensation. It's yeah. I read somewhere too that before the it says before the flood there wasn't rain. That the earth was watered with the dew. Mm-hmm. And I read uh, somebody suggesting that there may have been like more water in the atmosphere than we're used to. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. you know... Because yeah, because people lived, like, hundreds of years, yeah. you know, and it, they, the, like, the oldest guy in the Bible, Methuselah, right? Big plants and things that there, you know, that there may have been, like, this, this almost like a, like a terrarium. Yeah, different atmosphere, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah Noah. I'm already confused. <laughs> uh, when I look at day one, mm-hmm. they talk about... The earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep. Mm-hmm. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. waters. Yeah. yeah. It, almost like water was already there. Right, yeah. It's like, imagine, like, how do you describe a formless blob, you know, of matter, for example? You know, it kind of looks like water. It's like a, 
It's, it's some sort of mass, and that's how, yeah, that's how it's described. Like, there, there might be water already. So, yeah, the key thing here is the sky, separating it, kind of taking shape, creating order out of disorder. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the key with day two, is forming the sky, and then the water is separated. Yeah, so that's, something's there already, right? And it's not exactly clear how it all fits together, but God is there, the Spirit of God is there hovering over the water. He's he's created this. He's in charge of it. Yeah. Okay, that's day two, evening and morning, the second day. So there are a couple of refrains that appear over and over again. And if you look in your Bible, they kind of indent one of them out that you see over and over again. And God said... Right? You see how that's broken out over and over again in your Bible? So that's going to be a key, key thing that we want to keep in mind. Okay, let's go on to day three, um, verse nine. Verse nine. What does God create on day three? Okay, dry ground. Yeah. So we already had the water, we had sky, but we didn't have any dry ground. So day three, dry land and the, the vegetation, yeah, the plants on there according to their kinds. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is all new to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> so if there wasn't anybody there, and it's saying, and God said, who's documenting this? Who knows all this? Good question. Yeah. Moses wrote it down. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And how did Moses know what happened? God, yeah, God. Revelation, the Bible talks about revelation, that some people, you know, they went through things with Jesus, they saw it, and then they wrote about it. Other people, they weren't with Jesus, but God revealed things to them. Special, you know, like some people today, I'll say, oh, I had a dream. And then, you know, it's like, well, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe God was talking to you, I'm not sure, but this is for real. God talked to Moses and said, here's what happened. And yeah, that's a great point. Why doesn't God create Adam and Eve First, I've thought about that a lot. Why doesn't he create him first? And then he could, he could be like, hey, watch what I'm going to do. <laughs> Boom, dry ground. You guys like that? Sweet. You know, it, wouldn't that have been something, right? If, God, if they could have seen it all, the universe kind of takes shape. Um, but God is also teaching us here that he wants us to live by his word and that life as a Christian comes from the word and just and trusting that word even when we can't see it, that that's so. That's kind of a principle, but really good question. But is he had it, to create the land and, the, and everything before he created. Yeah, exactly. Where would they have gone? Yeah, I mean, he could have like he could have been like yeah he could have been like here he could have been like here float with me for a couple of days right <laughs> yeah a little too much yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so we got seas then there's the dividing the dry ground and the seas the oceans. Actually, specifically dividing them up. Yeah. And, and I think, too, he was preparing a place for us. Like the Jesus Lord. is preparing heaven for us. Oh, God yep. prepared the earth for us. Yep, yep. It was, his, it, it was his gift to us. Yep, exactly. Look at the end of verse 10. Here's another refrain that appears for the first time. It was... Good. God saw all that he had made. It was good. 
And that's going to come up, up over and over again. And that means that it's perfect. It's perfect. It's exactly the way God intended it. It's, it's operating exactly the way God wanted it to. And it's, that's going to get all messed up, and we, we don't see exactly things working perfectly now, but that's, that's another big question. Okay, um, now what's new about this day? Kind of talked about it already. That's according to their various kinds, the, the vegetation starts to be made. God is actually making some life here. It's not just inanimate objects like rocks or something. This is the, the, the vegetation starts to come, and that means life. That means life. Okay, day four is coming up here. There we go. Okay, what does God create on day four? Verse 14. Okay, sun, moon, and stars. Yes, sun, moon, and stars. So the stars in the sky, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. Um, Sun and moon, right? So is this the day that he would have also created all of the other planets and galaxies? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That it's all, it's all out there. He's created the entire universe just like that. Boom. Um, and then also seasons and years. You know that whole the the the, the sun governs the day. And rotates around, you know, we rotate around the sun, so the year was created. Um, and so God creates time and space. God exists outside of time and space. This is the thing that kind of makes my head hurt when I think about it. God exists outside of time and space. He enters it when he wants to. He creates it. Um, we exist inside of it. It's kind of hard for us to imagine life without time or without Space, but God isn't bound by those things. He creates those. Now, um, what's the amazing relationship with day one? So look back. What was created on day one? Okay. So, so what's the kind of cool connection here? There's light before there was a sun. Right. God provided light before there was even a sun. So God didn't need the sun to make light. And in the, at the end of the Bible, God talks about this, that when we're in heaven, when he rescues us from this broken world, which we all can recognize is broken, uh, he said we'll be in heaven and there won't be, there won't be any sun because God will be our light. And, you know, what's that going to be like? I have no idea. <laughs> we'll know when we get there, but it's going to be awesome. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. So again, just like our days, you got period of light, period of dark, boom. Um, okay, day five, what gets created on day five? Fish and fowl. Okay, <laughs> fish and fowl, yeah. <laughs> fish and fowl. The, the birds in the air and the fish in the sea. So birds and sea creatures get created here. And these are all according to their kinds. So God creates a lot of diversity within the kinds. Uh, you know, a, a, a bird can, um, can develop certain traits, you know, that are unique to birds, but a bird isn't going to tra- change into a fish. That's where this, this according to their kinds comes in. The Bible is not a science textbook, 
But the Bible does tell us things that are accurate and true and reflect reality. And so this is important when you think about scientific categories. You know, he creates a species of bird and that bird isn't going to change into a reptile, right? And vice versa. That's very important. It's according to its kinds. And how does this day relate to day two? Okay, so day two was the sky and the water, and now day five, he kind of fills that. He fills those things. So again, he got things ready, and then he filled it up. And there's evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. Okay, day six. What does God create on day six? First off, he created... Okay, yeah, livestock. Mm, I came from Wisconsin, so that was I took that outside my back door before I left. Uh, and then the wild animals, too. And the creepy crawlers, right? Yeah. Yes, bugs. Don't they all have a purpose? Yep, they all have a purpose, yep, yep. And the, Even though we don't like them. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, they are all created by God. Uh, and it's good. Each one of these days has been good, which means perfect. Now, what's the, the last thing he creates? Mankind. Okay, mankind. At man and woman. Uh, male and female, he created them. So the Bible talks about Adam and Eve being the crown, like the crowning achievement. The, we're not the top of the food chain, Right? We're God's ultimate cre- creation. He, he created all of this for us to enjoy and to take care of. So we'll talk about that more in, in a second here. Um, so in six days, on days one to three, God made the world fit for life, kind of ready for life. And then on days four to six, God made the world full of life. So he filled it up. And it was very good. Um, So, okay, so mankind is the crown of God's creation. We're the the top of God's creation. And uh, there's a note um, on the bottom of your page. I'll just read this little note here. Note on 1 verse 17, it says, God made man, uh, let us make man in our image. Right? Who's God talking to? He said, let us make man in our image. He's talking to, God's talking to himself again. Watch out. Yeah. Yep. And, and we're going to, we'll talk about this more, but God reveals himself in the Bible as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? So three separate persons and yet one God. Now, that, that doesn't make sense. You know, 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 1. There's only one God, right? That's, that's really bad math. Don't teach your kids that, all right? But when it comes to God, this is who he is. And the Bible unfolds that, kind of unpacks that. But here in Genesis 1, we've already got God kind of talking to himself. Let us make man in our image. So does that mean that Adam and Eve kind of look like God? Right? They had, the, they, had, they had God's chin, right? Is that what that means? Now, this is what the note is about on your sheet here. So the phrase, image of God, 
means that Adam and Eve enjoyed a close relationship with God. They were in harmony with God. They were holy. They were very literally like God. And you and I now, by believing in Christ, just trusting him, that image of God is restored, meaning that we are now created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what, it, what was made in the beginning got wrecked. That's what we're going to talk about next week is how this is all lost and destroyed. But now for us, it's renewed, it's restored. So, so many themes in the Bible start out in this beginning and then they, they're picked up later on and they're made perfect in heaven. So, at, after six days of creating, God looked at everything that he had made and it wasn't just good. Did you catch that? Yeah, look at verse 31 on page 2. Genesis 1, verse 31. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. So that it's, it's perfection. It's super perfect because now mankind is here and ready to rock. Okay, you want to turn the page on your sheets. Uh, page 2 talks about how else mankind was special. How else was mankind special God created us in the image of God. That's the best part, right? To, to be like God, to be righteous and holy. But then what else made mankind special? Different from the animals. Okay, rule over the animals, right? Um, he gave him domin- God gave mankind dominion over the earth. Rule over the earth, subdue it, take care of it. Right? That's a special charge from God that he wants us to take care of the earth. Um, and what, what were they supposed to eat? Okay, yeah. Um, verse 29, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. They will be yours for food. So up... At this point, Adam and Eve did not know the juicy deliciousness of bacon. Okay? <laughs> it was, uh, it's actually going to come later, after, after the flood. That's when God said you can eat meat. Um, but here, it's, they're vegetarians, right? Interesting. Well, there's no death yet, so. Ah, everything lived, yeah. Yeah, yep. in order to yeah, in order for there to be carnivores, you have to have death. Yeah, yeah, yep. So even even animals that eat meat, there must have been some sort of different arrangement because the Bible talks about you know like in heaven the lamb will lie down with the lion and the the lion won't eat the lamb. You know, like so things are going to be different in when we get to be with God. So um, probably the same thing here in the garden that they're not. You know, Adam and Eve don't have to worry about getting eaten by a, a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex or something. You know, it's just not not happening. Okay, so then day seven. What what happens on day seven? Okay, rest. Yes, yes. Unique about the seventh day, God rested from all the work of created he he had done. So this is God resting on the seventh day, painted by an eight year old. Right, God resting. So God was like, oh man, I am exhausted. I just created this universe and I am worn out. Right? Is that why he rests? Does God get tired? No. Okay, no, he doesn't get tired. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of it's God soaking it all in, you know, to enjoy it. Um, Okay, that's part of it too, to be an example for us, that he sets the seventh day apart. Uh, the Bible says holy, which means it's separate, it's special. Um, and that, in the Old Testament, God set up this rule that it had to be the seventh day, Saturday, needed to be a day of rest. Um, now, in the New Testament, we don't have to follow that rule, and we'll talk about why. God, Jesus sets us free from that. But God does still want us to rest. So taking a day off is a good thing. You know, resting your body, resting your mind is a good thing. And actually, I just read this, that, you know, like a hundred years ago, when they're, they're scraping by and everybody's living on the farm and stuff, people had way more leisure time. You believe that? I couldn't believe that when I read that, that people had way more downtime. You had periods of intense work. You'd be working in the fields for like 16 hours a day for like two straight months. But then you'd have time where you just... Watch the plants grow. You know, it, it, so it, I thought about that though. We work so hard. We work so hard as people to like, uh, you know, we gotta we gotta work hard and 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 and, but then we don't we don't always just take a break, right? And, enjoy. and yeah, and enjoy it. This is what God wants us to do: to just step back, relax a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's the seventh day. God rested, reflected all in. He's happy with it. He's, it, it pleases him. Creation is perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Adam and Eve are perfect. It's the, it is literally the perfect marriage, right? They're not fighting at all, ever, right? This is what, and, and God wants us to rest too. This is what we do a lot of times on Sundays as Christians. You know, you just kind of take a break. Um, okay, so now we're going to talk about what we learn about God. And these are called God's attributes. Um, there's the language of faith, and that's the way I often talk about things that you, we say in church or as Christians that you don't talk about normally. You know, last week we talked about grace. Grace is God's undeserved love. You know, that we, we I mean, we don't talk about that a lot with one another. Um, or, and God's attributes are another example of that language of faith. That's, it's who God is. What's he all about? So as you look at, at uh, Genesis 1 here, God creating the world, what do you see about God? His attributes. He's powerful, right? All-powerful. All-powerful. That he speaks and stuff happens. I speak at my house, nothing happens, right? (laughs) Girls, be quiet. Nothing happens, right? God is all-powerful. He speaks and it happens. Um, He's full of wisdom, right? He orders this whole universe, um, he's all-knowing. So not only is he all-powerful, but he's all-knowing. Uh, he's eternal. He, eternal means that you, he, he has no beginning, no end. So he exists outside of time and space. He creates time and space. Um, so who created God? Right? My daughter asked me that the other day. Who created God? I'm like, well, nobody. God, God just always is. He just has always existed. He's eternal. But, but no, who created him? I'm like, no, he just, he just always is. What? <laughs> we don't get it, right? That's not, it does, it's hard to, to fit in our brains. Um, okay, number four, he cares about the creation, right? He cares about it. Now, what don't we learn, though? 
Okay. Yeah, we can learn a lot of stuff by studying creation, studying nature too, kind of, you know, soaking it in and you, you know, um, wow, you know, you look at a mountain or a great view and you're like, wow, this God is amazing. Yeah. But you don't learn about Jesus. You don't learn about a guy, God who dies for you. You don't learn about a God who bleeds for you. That's what you don't get by, by looking at, at, at nature. You can see a lot of things, but that specifically you don't see. Um, okay, now, all right, now God is still at work. Here's a couple of things that I want to keep in mind. God is not the grandpa up in heaven on his rocking chair, kind of laughing at all of us down here, right? He's not disconnected from what's going on in our world. And the Bible makes that clear. So there are a couple of passages that I want to just point out to you. The first one is Acts 17, uh, verse 25. He himself gives all people life and breath and everything else. So why are you and I alive right now? Yeah, because God gave us life. God wants you here. You know? Um, one of the tragedies sometimes when people are contemplating suicide is that they think they're worthless. They think nobody cares about them. I can guarantee you God cares about you because he put you here. He created you. Right? Um, then he makes, the next one is Psalm 104. He makes the grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. So again, God's making everything grow here. So what I, I, I'll say, he often provides for us by natural means. So natural means God is providing for us. That he's built these things into our world, or that, that you know, plants grow, um, you know, trees produce apples, and you and I get to eat, and we eat, and then our bodies are nourished. This is all very natural. Right? And, and God has created all of this so that we can be sure of his love for us, that he isn't forgetting about us. Right, The sun still rises. Right, God's still in control. Um, but sometimes he uses more extraordinary means too. Um, Psalm 121 says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. So what's he providing for us? Yeah, he's providing protection. Protection that we don't always see. That we don't always know about. Right? Um, and Psalm 91 says, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. So do you, does every human being have a guardian angel? I, the Bible says we have guardian angels. You don't just got one assigned to you. He will command his angels concerning you. So we got more than one watching over us right now all the time. Not only does God watch over us, but he's, all, he's got the backup team like ready to come and help, right? The angels are there. And so God promises to protect slash provide for us in supernatural, special, extraordinary, miraculous ways. Outside of the ordinary. A miracle is when God sets aside his normal way of operating or the normal way that things work and he does something extraordinary. So Jesus walks on water. A miracle. Right? He sets aside the normal property of sinking right through water and Jesus walks on that water. So God does that though. 
And that, that's important to remember. And that's connected to creation. That shows that God isn't the, um, the, the deism is a, it was a, a, a school of thought around the time the United States was founded. Deism. And it's the idea that God is kind of like a watchmaker or a clockmaker. He winds up the clock and then he kind of lets it go. And you know, time's ticking, so the world's going to come to an end. But it has this idea that God's disconnected. You know, it doesn't really know what's going on. But the Bible makes it clear. He knows what's going on. He's intimately connected with your life and mine and the whole world. And that, that actually doesn't make it easier because then you think like, well, why didn't you do something, God? <laughs> why didn't you step in here? Um, but it drives us into the Bible, drives us to think, okay, well, what is God all about? What does he promise me? Uh, maybe makes us wrestle a little bit more with stuff. So, okay, on to the next page then. Top of page three here. Um, creation or evolution? So good to just kind of put these two next to each other because evolution is the predominant theory in our society today. And I just talked with one of our college students, um, Lars Nareen. He does our tech on Sunday mornings. And he is going, he's studying like computer programming or something like that. But he said, if, if you, he said, Pastor, don't tell anybody that evolution says we descended from apes. Because that's not what they teach anymore. Evolutionary thought has kind of switched. So I'm not an ev- expert on evolution. I'm going to admit it, okay? But I am an expert on what God says in his word. And there are some basic things about evolution that don't measure up. Evolution is not just a scientific theory. It's also a spiritual theory. Because it seeks to answer this question, where did I come from? And that's a spiritual question. That is not something, it it provides meaning for your existence. And we're going to see how evolution kind of leaves you hanging, looking for meaning. So creation versus evolution. Um, This, I mean, this is just funny joke, right? (laughs) So I thought thought we're supposed to be evolving here. Life is getting better. It's going backwards, right? Um, Okay. So evolution is really a theory that makes man accountable to himself, not to God. I think that's a big thing to keep in mind, that your evolution seeks to take God out of the picture. Um, and even, even laws of science, like the law of thermod- second law of thermodynamics, says that matter goes from order to disorder. So if I lined up 100 M&Ms here, and they're nice and orderly, it would not take long for one of my children to come and mess that all up, right? It goes from order to disorder. Or even if I left it here for a day or two, it wouldn't stay like that. It goes from order to disorder. And evolution actually says that the world goes from disorder to order. So it's, it's, it goes against that, that law of science that evolution basically says, like, take a, take a, a bag of M&Ms and put them into a dryer... And they're going to pop out in, in straight lines, red ones, yellow ones, blue ones, brown ones. You know, that doesn't make any sense, but that's what evolution basically says. Um, okay, God wants to be, man wants to be in control. Okay, so, um, here's, here's the kind of the list to fill in here. How do we know? Um, creation is what God says. That's creation, what God says. By, the Bible tells us. God says. Evolution? Man says. Right? That's a man theory. What man says. Uh, How long did creation take, according to the Bible? 
Six days. Yep, just six natural days. And this is one that I still haven't found a good answer for. Why, like evolution, whatever, um, why is it, why is a seven-day week what we go by? You know, the Bible has an answer. God created the world in six days, rested on the seventh day. What would like an evolutionist's answer for that be? Seven days. Why? The French, the French in the 1800s, they tried to do a 10-day week. They wanted to throw out the Bible. Oh, I love the French, right? <laughs> they wanted to throw out the Bible and they, and they wanted a 10-day week because they were going to go against this. And it was just, they couldn't do it. It was, it, their, their society collapsed and, you know, 40,000 people were guillotined with their heads cut off and it was a, not good to live in France at the time. Um, but that was, they were trying to even rebel against this seven-day week. Now, we haven't reached that, but it's just interesting. So evolution, how long did evolution take? Uh, they just updated it this last week. Yeah, well, they, they switched it. It's not 14 billion years. It's, a, it's between 11 and 12 billion is what I just heard in the news. And it's like, so they, they, you just lost 3 billion years. Like, that's a long time. How could you be that far off? You know, but that's, um, it's a man-made thing, so. Okay, what's the power in creation? God's word is the power. God speaks and the world comes into existence. And this is the same word that God gives us in the Bible. And he says, you get to read this every day. You get to let this work on your heart and mind and let it teach it to your kids. You know, that's a pretty powerful word. Um, evolution, what's the power? Chance, you know, random stuff, big bang, right? That's the power of evolution. Um, what are human beings in creation? We're the crown. We're, we're, we're the, we're our, we are God's special creation. We're his special people. In evolution? Yeah, we're just another animal, Right? So don't be surprised if somebody acts like an animal. You know, how do you, how do you tell somebody right or wrong? Right? One of, the, one of the principles of evolution is survival of the fittest. Right? How can you tell somebody that they can't pick up a gun and kill whoever they want? Right? It, it leaves no basis for morality or good and evil. Um, then creation, why am I here? Okay. Yeah, to, to know God, to worship Him, to serve him, to follow him, to trust him. That, that relationship to God is paramount. It's key. It's how you fit in. And yet evolution, evolution says, why am I here? No reason. There is no reason. It's a hopeless, meaningless existence. So that's why I say evolution isn't just a scientific theory. It is a religious theory too. Because it says, hey, you're, you've got... There's no reason to do whatever you want. Do whatever feels good. Right? Um, so that's the little difference between creation and evolution. Comments, questions? Oh, oh, from what? Yeah, I'm sorry. From what? Um, so creation from what? Okay, yeah, God forms us personally. Takes Adam and Eve 
um, forms them. And evolution from what is cells, yeah, you know, amoebas, you know, it just randomly given enough time, we morphed and grew and, yeah. Yep, right. Okay, so why do Christians believe in, why do we believe all this? Why do we believe creation rather than evolution? Okay, God, God has the answers. You know? um, J- Jesus said in John 17, your word is truth. Like this, this is God's truth. And um, so there is, there is a faith factor though. Um, Hebrews 11, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So there's a faith factor that recognizes what God says here. And it's walking kind of a fine line, you know. Um, on the one hand, there are people that say, well, I won't believe it unless I can see it, right? The kind of scientific, materialistic viewpoint. But then on the other side, there are people who say, like, uh, you, all you got to do is believe, right? And they, it's kind of like, well, whatever you believe doesn't matter. Just just have faith. Well, faith in what? You know, like... Uh, it's kind of this warm, fuzzy feeling that you want to have in your tummy. And maybe it's indigestion, maybe it's faith, who knows, right? So in the middle, there's this, there's this fine line of this is fact, this is reality. And yet the only way we're truly going to accept it and acknowledge it is by God's work and God's power, faith. You know? So it, they, they go together, right? But it's that we talk about a narrow, middle road that we want to walk. Yeah. I think it's interesting reading the account of creation, how often God, thousands of years before Charles Darwin was even thought of, God was already answering all of the arguments that, that uh, evolutionists come up with. He already had an answer thousands of years before. He knew what was going to happen. He knew we were going to need, you know, that, that these people were going to come up with this theory. So he said, well, here you go. Yeah. This is how you can answer it. Yeah, and even the ancient Greeks talked about evolution, kind of like like we have a theory of evolution. The Greeks had something similar, that, that matter was changing and kind of growing and evolving. But, yeah, and a big thing, that, that kind of concluding thought here, is that God's creation is ex nihilo. That's a Latin phrase. You can't go too long without learning another language, right? Ex nihilo means out of nothing. So what did God create from? Nothing, right? There wasn't anything here. Boom, he spoke and it came into being. So even you and I, we have an ability to create stuff, right? But we're always creating out of something that's already here, you know? We're not, we're not just speaking and watching things appear. So God's creation is totally unique out of nothing. Okay, then uh, on the bottom of the page there, it just talks about other scripture passages. Um, consider Genesis chapter 6 to 9. The world's topography, uh, mountains, rivers, lakes, all that was possibly affected by the flood during the days of Noah. The Genesis accounts of creation and the flood not only offer us divine truth about our origins, but they also go a long way to explain why our world is the way it is, uh, as does Genesis 11, which helps us understand the repopulating of the world after the, the flood, the diversity of nations, peoples, languages. 
Um, so if you're interested in that, feel free to read, read those sections. Okay, then the, the last page there, page four, just kind of gives a summary. Um, and then um, it talks about the language of faith, too, that I mentioned some of these things um, throughout the lesson. And God's providence, that's maybe the one I didn't specifically mention, is what we talked about with God providing for us and protecting us. That is his providence. Is, that's important. Um, and then I have personal prayers. These are like the prayers we teach the kids in, um, in school, before lunch, after lunch, that sort of thing. So if you're interested in those, feel free to, to, maybe you guys already know them, which is great. And then the bottom is Luther's small catechism. So Martin Luther wrote these simple explanations um, to help us understand what the Bible teaches. And um, in our school, all the kids memorize these, which is really great. Um, they can really take it to heart. But it's also good for us to read through and kind of digest and be reminded that God created me and all that exists, that he gave me my body and soul, eyes, ears, all my members, my mind, and all my abilities. Um, he still preserves me. You know, He's watching over me. He's providing all that good stuff. Um, so that's more food for thought. Okay, then on the last page, getting there almost to the last page, page five. This is for next time if you'd like to kind of do some study and personal growth at home is, um, number one, answer the true-false questions. So I apologize. Some of them will give you a headache, and you'll say, ah, which one is it? Um, That's okay. Then number two, um, no matter what your age, I say give it a try, learn a Bible passage. So last week was John 3.16, and this week is um, Psalm 139, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, That is such a good reminder, especially when you say, like, why why am I this way? Or why why aren't I like that person? Or why don't I have that? God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he's made you and he loves you. And that psalm just kind of helps reinforce that. Um, and then the very last page is what's called This We Believe. And this is from our, um, our church body, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. And it's just kind of a statement of what we believe um, on the basis of the Bible, obviously. They're all the passages are listed there. But it talks about creation, some of the false ideas that are out there, and gets into a little bit more format. So just kind of something for you to read on your own at home and see what you think. Okay, now one thing that we do in this class is that we have question time here at the end. We've just got a few minutes before we're all done. And um, so if you have a question, I have little sheets of paper here. You can either ask it or... I forgot to hand you guys these. If you want, it's a... That way you can just like write it out if you want. So I don't know if anybody has any questions. Okay, there you go. Excellent. Okay, and then I will answer them, and we'll talk about them. Any other questions? If something comes up in your mind, too, you can raise your hand. That's fine, but this is kind of the fun part where we end every class period. And if, you want to, if you've got little slips of paper you want to take them home with you, and then something up, comes up during the week, you can write it out and bring it back at the end of the week. So, um, Okay, so here we go. My question is, If a person is brain dead, but their heart is still beating and kept alive only by machines, is the soul still with the body? 
Interesting. Good question. So they're they're brain dead, but their heart's beating. They're alive with the machines. Is the soul still with the body? That's a good question. I think... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think generally speaking, we say like when the body stops functioning, you know, like the heart stops beating, that that's, you know... That, that person dies. You know, they, they die. That's when the soul leaves the body. And, you know, the, the question is, is the, because of the brain damage, is the soul, like, gone? And there's a whole debate, like, where is your soul? You know, this is something pastors talk about. It's like, where is your soul? Is your soul in your pinky? In your arm? What if your arm gets cut off? Do you lose part of your soul? What if you don't have any legs, right? Um... And so generally, they, they've talked about like the soul being in the head, because you can exist with almost every other part of your body except for your head, you know. Or, or but like that doesn't necessarily make sense. The Bible doesn't tell us, you know what I mean? The Bible doesn't answer that, you know. Um, so, yeah. And brain dead. I will say this is a really good question. Um, brain dead is a medical diagnosis, right? Are they ever wrong? Are they ever they ever say like somebody's in a vegetative state for fifteen years and then all of a sudden they wake up? Yeah, yeah that happens. So that's why I say like if the heart's still beating, I would say the soul's still there. Just like pastorally, I would I wouldn't tell somebody, well, grandma's gone, you know. Um, I'd say no, they're still there, but you know, um, the the like end of life care is kind of something that is a big topic that we wrestle with. You know, what do you do with, if somebody is brain dead like that, you know, and you take them off of life support and they do die, or did you kill them? Did you, I mean, that's, did you kill your spouse by doing that? I mean, I would say no. I'd say allowing natural death is, is, is God pleasing, that God is calling this person home. And yeah, he's given us a lot of stuff in this world, but a lot of medical advances but we don't have to feel like we have to hold on. You know, we can't let grandma go. Oh, you know, we, we, well, grandma, grandma knows Jesus. Grandma's going to be with Jesus. Let grandma go. You know, that, that kind of, that peace that we can have in those moments. Um, and that's why it's good to, to be in God's word, to know, know our Savior and know how much God loves us. Um, but yeah, good question. Okay, all right, next one. Um, in the Old Testament often refers to the annals of. So regarding information on a king, so on and so forth, it says that these annals are still available to this day. Um, are they still available? No. <laughs> there, are, there are sources that the Bible references that don't exist anymore. That maybe when they were written... When the book of the Bible was written, it said, you can read about this in the, you know, the, the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Well, those chronicles are gone, and all we have now is the Bible. They might find them. I mean, they, they always find stuff in the dirt over there, right? They go digging, and they're like, wow, we found something. Um, and part of that is because of the climate. A dry, arid desert climate preserves documents and artifacts a whole lot better than a wet you know, moist climate does. But. Isn't that kind of like when Luke or Paul, writing in the New Testament, says, well, so-and-so's still alive today? Yeah. At, at the time it was written, you could go 
You could go talk to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and one of the reasons in, the, in Jesus' life or in the life of the apostles, sometimes they'll mention somebody by name and they'll be like, Rufus, you know, you know, Peter met Rufus and something like that. Chances are Rufus is still alive. And it was, it's kind of like a shout out to Rufus, you know, <laughs> like making those connections with people who are still alive. Okay, one more here. Um, oh, okay, as a pastor, are you required to report to authorities things told to you? So, for example, if Jeffrey Dahmer tells you he murdered somebody, am I required to do that? Um, I am not required to do that. The one thing I am required to, especially with our school, is I'm a, we're mandatory reporters. If a child is being abused or if something like that, there's, there's something like that going on. Um, but if somebody comes to me, and this is, a, this is good for everybody to know, if you come and talk to me, like there's pastoral confidentiality. It's between you and God, and I'm just the conduit. I, I didn't hear it, God heard it. I'm not there to, to um, jump down your throat or go tell, you won't believe what so-and-so did, right? It's, it's, that's a very precious thing to me and, and, and to God, too, that there's that confidential trust um, to know that if you're wrestling with something, you tell it to me, it goes in the vault, <laughs> right? And, and I'll, I'll pray for you and, and you know, take, take your issue to God and say, God, help this, this person. Um, but um, if, like, if somebody confessed something to me, yeah, so let's say somebody confessed something to me, a uh, pastor, I, I, just, um, I, I just did something really bad. I just, you know, murder, they'd probably find out. You know, like, your wife's dead, Jeff. You know, like... <laughs> No, no, sorry, not Jeff. Sorry, I can't use real names here. Yeah, sorry, Jeff. Um, okay. Uh, no, you know, like, it, like, let's say you you stole from your work. You know, you know, um, you you were stealing from your work, and you tell me that. You know, I'd say like, okay, are you know, are you confessing something to me? I feel real burdened. I I've done this wrong, and so then I'd say, okay, how do we make this right? You know, how are you going to make this right? You say you're sorry, <laughs> and I'm here to assure you that God forgives you and Jesus died for you, but now how are you going to live a life of forgiveness and, and repentance and actually owning up to it? Because being, being sorry means that you're also willing to recognize what comes next. Like if you're, if you're going to, you know, you do the crime, sometimes you got to do the time, and you got to be open with it and say to, say to your boss, hey, I did this, and whatever happens, you know, you know God is going to be with you. You might lose your job, but you know God is going to be with you because Jesus loves you. And so that that's kind of how I work through it. But I wouldn't go to the boss and say, "Oh, you'll never guess what your employee did." Man, he is robbing you blind. Right? I wouldn't do that, but I will encourage that person to make it right. Go talk to that person. You know, you know you're forgiven. Go go make amends with them. Go apologize. Go go ask their forgiveness too. Uh, that's an important part of the Christian life, too, is actually owning up to it and being honest with yourself, with other people, with God. It all comes together. Yeah. Okay. Yes, Pam. What if somebody comes to you and says that they're going to commit a crime or mm. they're going to murder someone? Then you've got this person that's still alive that could be saved if... 
Yeah, that would be a tough one. You know, like how imminent is the threat? I'd probably wrestle with that. I'd probably talk with other pastors. We have a, a, a network of pastors that we kind of confer on really tough questions. Like, what do you do? Um, I'd encourage them to not do it. You know, if, you know, I'd probably try and find a way to be like, hey, uh, you know, Jackie, maybe you want to take a trip for a while. <laughs> you know, like, I, 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 I would maybe try and do something like that if, if, um, as much as I could, I'd want to protect the confidentiality, but sometimes there are ways to say to somebody, hey, um, you know, keep your eyes open for, <laughs> you know, to, to, you know, warn them about it, or have you thought about this? How are things with you and your husband, you know, um, to try and walk, walk them through it, maybe do some, some bringing people together, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really tough question. That's, and that is honestly one that, um, we wrestle with and talk with whenever we get together as pastors. Like, how do you deal with some of that, help people? Yeah. Can't you refer them to a Christian therapist? Or- exactly. Yeah, I'll do that too. I'll say, you need more help than I can give you. Um, I, I'm not a professional counselor. I'm, I'm free. I'm, I know God's word, but sometimes they need more help. Um, or maybe medication even. Like, I can't prescribe medication. Sometimes you get somebody on medication, then they level off. They, what was I thinking, you know? So, yeah, great point. That's, um, yeah, so, and that's maybe just a nice commercial. If anybody knows good Christian counselor in town, I'd be open to just getting to know somebody. And, you know, I had a great relationship with people in my the last place I came from. It's good to get to know them. And, and if something happens and I need to refer somebody, I want to be able to say, hey, here's where you can go. I trust this person. And I haven't quite found that yet. So if you know anybody, talk to me after. So, Okay, that is it for tonight. That is the end of our lesson. How did I get here? Good news. God made you. He created you. And he wants you here. You are his. Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for creating us. In the beginning, it was you and, and you alone, and yet in love, you, you created this whole world and universe and made mankind to enjoy it and to enjoy time and fellowship with you. Help us to see that every day of our lives, that we are your special creatures, your, your beautiful creations. Uh, when we're feeling down, when we're worried, help us to see that you are in charge, you are in control, you are intimately connected to this world and to our lives. Now watch over us as we travel home. Allow us and our loved ones to rest in your peace. Amen.